welcome to On The Mic Podcast. This is your host, Tim Drake. On today's episode, I have filmmakers Josh Zeman and Rachel Mills from the new hit AE show, The Killing Season. So this episode uh, was so much fun. Uh, Jesse's still with me. Je- Jesse and I hung out for this episode because we've both just been obsessing over this show. So it's, it's been... I, I almost think addicting is an understatement, wouldn't you say? I definitely... <laughs> Yeah, we were only four episodes in, three Monday night, finished, you know, the, well, four yeah. actually Monday night, and yeah, we can't stop watching it. Yeah, we, we, we decided to binge them before going to sleep, though, and that's just kind of been, it's been somewhat troubling, <laughs> because they're, they're kind of intense, to, to say the least. It's not but, the faint of heart. But they are absolutely fantastic. Uh, it was a lot of fun talking with Josh and Rachel, you know, kind of finding out how the, how the series began. Uh, Jesse had actually come in and was just like, you know, I wonder if they started out, you know, as just a documentary. They kind of they kind of morphed into a series, and sure enough, we got the answer to that right off the bat as we were talking talking with Josh and Rachel. Uh, but yeah, it was really cool, kind of finding out, you know, some of their stories, you know, kind of what the what their point of the storytelling was, what they were hoping to get out of everything, and you know, seeing how this show has built up and the turns that it's taken. Jesse and I have joked that you know you could make a drinking game with the show. And just every time you ask yourself, what the fuck? Take a drink. <laughs> like it's There are so many twists and turns to this entire show that if you aren't already watching The Killing Season, start now because it's it's fantastic. You can go to AETV.com and watch them. Um, we've been told they're also up on Amazon. So if you have Amazon Prime, check that out. Um, if they're not up on there, don't yell at me because I'm just I'm the messenger on this one. So I, I, haven't, I haven't actually checked that out. That's what we've been told. Yeah, you can see those on AETV.com, and then they air on AETV on Saturday nights. But yeah, it is a fantastic show. Uh, it, it starts off in Long Island, where they're following the Long Island serial killer, also known as Lisk. So when you hear us refer to Lisk in the episode, that's what we're talking about. Um, but yeah, it, it, it follows uh, the serial killer there, then takes them to Atlantic City, and then down to Daytona Beach. Um, and as we found out, uh, these upcoming episodes, it'll take take them out west. And, you know, it's just crazy to see, you know, how these stories kind of tie together. You know, some of just the, the insane situations that, that Josh and Rachel find themselves in. What, what, what's been your craziest moment of the show that you've found so far? Man, that is a good question. You know, the thing that I love that has really just drawn me in and hooked me to this, to this series is once you start watching it, it is just the tip of the iceberg. It opens up so many other questions, yeah. and not just with the serial killer case that they're looking at, but with multiple cases. How many? Who are we dealing with? Not just that, it's the evidence that they're trying to get between the law enforcement, which varies from location to location. They do such a good job of going, of investigating, trying to put the pieces of the puzzle together. You know, they're, they're going on the, just, some of the websites and web communities they found with like web sleuths, yeah. like so, some of those have just been incredible. And just some of like everyday citizens that are just fascinated and trying to solve some of these crimes as well that have been, you know, big assets to them as, as they've gone through this. And it's just, it's crazy. And like, as they, as they, you know, one of the guys, Peter, that they talked to, I mean, some of the advice that he has throughout this for them, it, it's more of those moments where you just go, what the fuck? It really <laughs> Take is. Take a shot. <laughs> The profilers that they talk to, you know, not not just that, but the law enforcement. It's it just leaves you with so many, and it's not just entertaining. On it raises awareness of yeah. some of the harsh realities that happen that none of us are even aware of. You know, these 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 women 
yeah, the sex workers throughout you know Atlantic City and and Long Island and Daytona. Just the way that they're immediately, you know, victimized by these potential serial killers, you know, and it's it's heartbreaking. It is absolutely heartbreaking. Yeah, I mean, you have to keep it up perfectly. It, does, it raises awareness of of what's going on there, and you know, Josh and Rachel both talk about that in the episode. But yeah, it was it was just it's, it was crazy to talk to them about the show and just to continue to watch it. And I, I know it's going to be something you and I are hooked on. And we, we, we told them in the episode that we're going to start now. We're starting the revolution in the petition for season two of The Killing Season. Because th- th- this first season was eight episodes. And I'm not going to be satisfied with just eight episodes. I need no more. Way. I need more. <laughs> <laughs> not, not even close. The thing I loved about talking to them is we haven't even finished. We weren't able to finish the episodes five and six. And so we're still in a days of mystery, and, and they were alluding to things that we haven't seen yeah. yet. And so it was exciting to be able to talk to them about things that we are not, that yeah. we haven't even been caught up to speed yet. Yeah, it's, oh, the this, this show is so fucking good. It really just is. Just go, just start now. Well, listen to the episode, then start. <laughs> so so you, you'll have you'll have some backstory there with Josh and Rachel, and you'll, you'll see them in the show. I mean, they're the ones leading the investigation in the show. So, and yeah, The Killing Season on A&E, absolutely fantastic. Go, go watch it. So, and we've got a lot, we've got a lot of fun stuff coming down the pipe here. So we've got the Christmas episodes uh, that we're starting to plan for now, Christmas and New Year's episodes, that for some reason were like some of everybody's favorites last year. So where we were a little inebriated throughout most of those. And uh, <laughs> so and Christopher telling us about his large quantities of sandwich and so, so many, many things in those. So, and yeah, we've got, we've got the Christmas episodes coming up. Uh, we've got Sundance in January that we're already starting to prep for. Uh, we've got uh, the 100th episode uh, that'll be in, in Los Angeles in February. So we've got a lot coming down the pipe here. So as we, uh, as we kind of get ready to wrap up 2016 and uh, onward to 2017. So, and, and then I, I'm very excited about this. I'm very excited because everybody knows how much I've loved my time with Second City. So, but, but Jesse's now going to be starting on that on that little journey too, uh, going through some Second City classes. Hell yeah! So I'm I am very excited that Jesse's Jesse's going to be uh, doing that. Uh, Johnny Byrne as well. That you know a lot of you guys may know uh, from the web show that I did uh, the job interview. Uh, Johnny played Marcus in the show, and Johnny's actually out of Second City Chicago now. So it, I, I love seeing my Second City family grow amongst from the people that I that I've met while being in the program, and then seeing seeing my friends now join join Second City. It's it's wonderful. It's, it's so nice. So I'm excited that you're going to be a part of the insanity as well. <laughs> yeah, join me up with the insanity. You know, thank you, Tim. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. I'm very excited as well. Looking forward to it. You know, I've I've always enjoyed writing, kind of on my own. It's not something probably a lot of people would know. But Tim, being a writer himself, I think that he's picked up on that, and I'm very much looking forward to the new experiences, the new possibilities, uh, just for myself, if for nobody else. But uh, <laughs> hopefully, to be able to entertain others along, you know, along. And, and it'll just feel more for the site. I mean, you already write for the site, and it's yes. just going to be putting that much more out there. Exactly. Sharpen the skills to, you know be able to entertain you folks a little bit more (laughs) and (laughs) and uh yeah this next year with the plans that that tim has that that, you know he's inviting me to come along enjoy to enjoy the ride we have i i I can tell you right now i'm looking forward to we're gonna have some really good podcasts coming up yeah a lot of sleep deprivation (laughs) a lot more sky miles 
Uh, and yeah, it's going to be fucking great. <laughs> <laughs> it is. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode with Josh Zeman and Rachel Mills from The Killing Season. Go watch it on A-N-E or A-N-E-T-V or just simply A-E-T-V.com. And you can follow them on social media. All the links will be up on onthemicpodcast.com. So go check those out. Enjoy this episode with Josh Zeman and Rachel Mills. excited to have you on. I also have uh, Jesse Knight with me. So Jesse uh, is one of our panelists on the show from time to time, and we've both just been hooked on the show, so I, I invited him to join us for this uh, for this episode. How's it going, Josh? Hey, buddy. How are you? Doing well. So now there, there's uh, there's so much that, that we have to talk to you with, about with this. It, it got to the point that we were, <laughs> as we were watching the show, it's like usually we'll do these interviews, and I'll, I'll watch the show, and I'll have a few notes that I, that I throw down. I filled up like a couple of note cards on every single episode. I, I was just like, wait, what about this? I mean, this, this show is amazing. Thank you. I appreciate that. Hopefully get the word out there to people. Yeah. And, and the more and more that, that we've mentioned it to people over the last week, even a lot of people have heard about, heard about it, but yeah, they, they hadn't watched it yet. And we've just been raving about it for, for a good, a good week now. And I, th- I think people are sick of hearing us talk about it, but, <laughs> but they're never, definitely on board. I never get- never get sick of anybody talking about my work so good (laughs) now the fun thing is is trying to find the comedy in all this yeah Yeah, and there's there's not there's not much comedy in in the in the nature of the show (laughs) not in the nature but i I do because you are a comedy blog am i correct yes uh yes right yeah um you know i i it's something like we try and do a little bit in the show, which is like take down ourselves and also take down the, the true crime genre a little bit. Like it's, it's, you know, I love making fun of myself and the other kind of true crime hosts out there for taking themselves way too seriously. And, you know, it, it's, there's the stuff that we don't see, which is, you know, all the funny stories, and there are. I mean, we don't have to go there, but I'm just saying, if you wanted to, we could definitely muster up um, some definitely uh, comedic uh, things, uh, especially about ourselves. Yeah, well, we, 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 can, we can certainly touch on some of those, because I, we, we, we always love hearing some of those behind-the-scenes stories, too, but, but of course the fans of the show, you know, they, they, they really want to know what the hell is going on with this from, from what we don't see. <laughs> show there's like so much you don't see and then we have this added fun element which is uh the web sleuth community uh and you know they're both uh good and bad and completely fucking crazy yeah (laughs) uh so uh, they're funny as well (laughs) quote air quotes around the funny yeah (laughs) yeah some of some of those guys that you've pulled up and you guys have read some of their comments on the show so it, it's just like it's like the the people that are stuck in a basement that don't have anything better to do, and so why not just go on a crazy <laughs> rant online? That's that's how some of their some of their comments come across. And you guys do a good job deciphering. All right, these are the nut jobs. These are the ones that we need to look into. Yeah, you know it's 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 you know and like inevitably it's like 
is there a satanic element to this? And it's like, no, there's not a satanic element to this. Come on. <laughs> people are so funny that way. It's like, no. And the devil is not behind it. But, like, you know, everybody wants to make it like, we're, we're obviously not done with satanic panic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that'll keep, it, keep going for quite a while. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, you can never, you know, when all else fails and you, you don't want to br- blame, you know, the appropriate issues, ourselves, society, anybody just throw in the devil there and and walk away it's yeah. great <laughs> so that that would be great if it turns out that lisk is just like krampus or something just walking around and you guys you guys finally find him and that and that's who he, that's who he's been this whole time it's just the devil <laughs> yeah or or some guy who's like totally innocuous yeah and it's like really it, you know like that's the, that's the other fear it's like you never want to meet your heroes not like lisk is a hero but like you never want to meet these people that you end up uh you know, kind of building up into the boogeyman. Like, I did a film previously called Cropsy, and, you know, it was all about trying to get in touch with the serial killer and letters. And, like, when finally, like, we read his letters, we're like, oh, this guy's just fucking nuts. You know, yeah. he's just, like, rambling on, and, you know, and it's like, mm, you're not as creepy as I thought you were. You're just wacko. Yeah. <laughs> So have you, have you ever had a chance to visit the uh, the Museum of Death in Los Angeles? I have not. You know, it's, 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 I have this, like, thing where it's, like, I love that stuff, but the minute, like, somebody kind of celebrates it, I'm, like, uh, kind of icky. But, of course, if you drag me there, I would be, like, oh, that was awesome. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, that's, like, it's like this internal conflict I always have about, you know, death and, and stuff like that. So, it's, you know, I, I, I do want to go, though. Trust me, I will be there. Yeah, it's it's a it's a strange place for sure. So myself and Jesse and another comic that we had gone out to Los Angeles with at one point when we were recording, we, we all went through and it was one of those moments where at the very end they have a museum of, or the, uh, the theater of death is what they call it, where it's just uh, like on a loop a video of people getting killed in just ridiculous ways. And it's... <laughs> You, you leave the building and you just kind of are like, what the fuck did I just go through for the last 30? It's amazing. But it was the most like somber experience afterwards. We didn't speak for almost three blocks <laughs> after leaving. <laughs> Had to uh, I, yeah. I have that experience like when trying to show people, like, you know, you always have to do these like screenings to like be like, okay, is it working? Is it working? And I did it with Cropsy and I did it with this and I would get all these interns into a room and I'd be like, and, and like, it'd be done. I'd be like, okay, everybody, what did you think? And they would just like look at me in like a state of shock uh, <laughs> and be like, I don't want to talk about it and leave the room. And I, we would always look at each other like, do, do you think they liked it? You know, you, you could never tell, you know, because the subject matter is so, yeah. you know, horrific. Yeah, I, I was dumb enough that even after the first time I went, I'd taken my wife back this year as we were out covering WonderCon, and she had to see it, so I went through it even a second time, and it's just like, I don't know why I do this to myself, but but all right, here we go. <laughs> yeah, it's like the Holocaust Museum. It's like, it was great, but, yeah. you know, can we go to the Air Space Museum instead? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so now, as, as, far as, the, as far as the killing season goes, I mean, how, how long, at the, at the beginning, you and, you and Rachel kind of mentioned you guys have been working on, on true crime and stuff like that for past 10 years now how long has it been uh, that you guys have been working together uh well we first got together she was a researcher on killer legends and uh you know the network was like well we have to have some you know some like 
uh, you know, personality. And I was like, there's not many female personalities who could, like, talk about, you know, urban legends and true crime. And I was like, Rachel can. And so it was great. You know, it's, it's funny. I always, you know, one of the dirty secrets is, like, I'm always like, there has to be a man and a woman. Yeah. You know, A, because it's like Scooby, because you want Scooby-Doo, right? <laughs> the only thing we're missing is the dog. Uh, you know, we have the van. Uh, but we're missing the dog. Uh, but, you know, you always need, like, the kind of, like, someone to play off of. Rach is good because she screams at the appropriate times. And, you know, she's – you always want somebody who's going to get more freaked out than you. Yeah. So she's perfect like that. So, I, I don't know. We worked together on Killer Legends, and then I was, like, on the weekends of Killer Legends – She'd be like, where are you going? I'm like, oh, I'm going to interview this sex worker in Long Island and drive her around and, you know, kind of take her into the killer's hunting grounds. And, you know, she's doing it anyway, but I just wanted to kind of, like, see how that world lives. And we were going to make the show as a, uh, just a documentary. And then um, my agent was like, dude, this could be a series. And then it's like, yeah, but do you really think a network is going to want to show eight episodes of sex workers being murdered, it's like, it's tough stuff. Yeah. And then, then Serial came out. And then Alex Gibney was like, no, like, like that is exactly what you should be pushing for. And then it became a lot more like, you're right. Like, we really do, you know, like, whatever people don't want you, don't think you want to see, show them that. <laughs> you know, and I know, I know it's counterintuitive, but it's like also I was making Cropsy and I was like asking somebody, I was like, should I do, should I do the devil worshiping stuff or should I do the necrophilia stuff? And he's like, do both. You know, he's like, just make it as fucked up as possible. And I was like, great, great advice, you know? And so from that advice, I just try and make it as crazy as possible. Yeah. And you, and you have Which to make it something real. that you're proud of too. No, of course. I mean, um, you know, it's like, and we were very proud of this. You know, I think, um, you know, right now there's a lot of conversations about the role of law enforcement and, you know, kind of transparency. There's a lot about, you know, women's rights and suffragists and all that stuff. So I think it kind of came at an interesting time. But uh, it's not about politics for me. It's about, like, being on a street corner and interviewing uh, a sex worker who's probably drug-addled and realizing that the violence against these women is so prevalent that, like, I, there were women, like, I was looking in their eyes and, like, I could tell that this woman is not going to be alive in six months. Oh, wow. And that's, it's sobering, you know? And and so it's, it was really some, like, belly of the beast stuff, you know? There, there's no, no place like Albuquerque at 3 o'clock in the morning on a street corner in the middle of Albuquerque. Or Atlantic City, for that matter. You're just like, wow, I am in the hellhole of the United States. Yeah, and so I mean, some of those, some of those areas too. That you, I mean, you guys explore even as you're going through, you know, Gilgo Beach and some of those areas that, I mean, it it made me just cold watching it. That I can't imagine just the shit that you had to manage to uh, to go through there to be able to uh, to, to just get to those to those spots. Like it, it was just it was just horrendous. And then I mean, seeing those areas in in Atlantic city. So, and in, in Florida, yeah. I, I can't even begin to, to imagine how, how that was being there in those early hours. It, yeah. You know, and it's like, 
Because there's all these people who are like, well, the cops didn't look long enough, or like they didn't look hard, and it becomes like this huge conspiracy. Oh, I think Rachel's trying to call in to you guys. Hey, Rachel, this is Tim with On the Mic. Hey, how's it going? Good. We've got Josh on the other line here, too, and Je- Jesse's sitting in studio with us as well. So. Cool. Great. All right. We're glad, glad to have you on. So we've been talking to Josh a little here about uh, about just the craziness of how you guys came 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 together and uh, started building up the uh, building up the show. Yeah, yeah, it was. Have you seen the show? Yeah, Jesse and I are both four episodes in. The last two episodes, uh, A&E's website decided to crash on us. So (laughs) so, so we're we're still two episodes episodes out, but we're about as addicted as we can be right now. We've learned not to binge watch it before bed, so that... uh, That that that's become a little a little uncomfort uncomfortable a few a few nights now. <laughs> well, it's just gonna get more real. Wait until episode six. Yeah. Oh, I'm I, I'm excited. So we we email, we emailed a couple of the publicists and we we're like, hey, can somebody fix the website because we'd really like to watch these two. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. Well, we should be able to um, get that to you for sure. Oh, awesome. So now now Josh Josh was mentioning to us how you know this was originally kind of supposed to be uh, a documentary and then it got built into a series which actually. Jesse had wondered that as we had sat down, and we were like, "All right, we've got a million questions for them. What do, uh, what what do we want to hit on?" And Je- that was the first thing Jesse had actually mentioned. So I'm glad that you kind of brought that to light. Um, we did have somebody tweet into us uh, at Neener's18. She kind of wanted to know what made you guys both decide to even begin the documentary uh, to build the killing season. Yeah, you want to take this one, Josh? Sure. Uh, yeah, I guess. Um, uh, you know, we had I had done Cropsy, and so I was kind of into the true crime genre. Uh, I was really into kind of the idea of showing people that um, what goes on uh, in uh, real life is a, is a hell of a lot more terrifying than any fiction. And so from that, um, so the, so that was like the, the point of Cropsy. You know, Cropsy was to show uh, people that if you want to see a horror film, you can find it in your own backyard. Um, and... Um, you know, so you're, so the, in asking like why we decided to make this, you know, I had done Cropsy, Cropsy, uh, came out around the time that Blair, which, you know, was, and, you know, people were all into found footage and they were into kind of creating docu, you know, fake horror. And I was like, okay, well, let, let me show you something that's real. Um, you know, real horror, you know, what goes on, what went on at the Willowbrook Mental Institution. And, after that, people were like, oh, you've got to make another serial killer documentary. And I, I didn't want to. You know, I, it, it was rough making that documentary. And once you kind of get a glimpse into, like, how this stuff goes down in real life, you kind of don't want to go back there. Yeah. Um, but I was always into the idea of, of, you know, showing people, like, real life. And, and then after that, there were, like, all these serial killer shows that were coming out. And it was just, like, it was pissing me off. And so I, I was like... Uh, and then this case broke, you know, and, you know, I immediately thought it was going to get solved. You had 10 bodies. Um, and from that, you know, I couldn't, you know, it was such carnage, you know, and we live in a CSI world where we think it's going to get solved. And then it didn't get solved, you know, and, and we started to hear like, uh, you know, the police were fighting with the district attorney and they couldn't agree on the number of serial killers. And I was like, oh, that is what a real investigation looks like. And so decided to kind of pick up the camera and, you know, again, to show people, 
what it's, you know, like crime doesn't get solved in a half an hour, and it's not law and order, and it's not CSI, and there's not, you know, a piece of evidence that's going to solve it, you know, and, and there's a lot of things that go into making these crimes unsolvable more than just the fact that it's serial murder. It's, it's like the wire, you know, it's yeah. a lot more nuanced. And so, and so that's why we kind of decided to do it. And plus the fact it was just so crazy. I mean, at the same time, it did sound like a, uh, you know, like a movie or a TV show. You had two killers um, and, you know, you had all these sex workers. And to me, it was like, oh, boom, modern day Jack the Ripper. Here we go. Yeah, it was it was very much like that. I mean, you you mentioned too, you know, you saw those all the other true crime type shows coming out, you know, with the Jinx or Making a Murder or you know, even with Serial. I mean, as as you saw those kind of coming about, what did you guys do to try to make sure that the killing season would be separate and stand on its own aside from those? Well, I think that um again, yes, we started out as a feature documentary and, you know, it ended up as eight part series. Um, you know, I'm I'm really glad that came before us with Serial and The Jinx and go back even further and you have great um, docu-series like The Staircase or Thin Blue Line or a documentary like Paradise Lost. Um, what we were doing, and this isn't necessarily intentional, but you know, as we continue going down the rabbit hole, we discovered that you know, Long Island is the only case. Um, sex workers are being... Um, murdered and preyed upon across the country. You know, the serial killers aren't going after uh, runaways or sorority girls or hitchhikers anymore like they were in the 70s and 80s. They're going away. They're going after those who are themselves trying to evade law enforcement. And those are sex workers um, living on the fringes. So, you know, the jinx is great. We, did, we didn't go in thinking we were going to have a jinx moment, you know, at the end of the jinx. Um, that was incredible. They got that um, yeah. <laughs> on, on mic. <laughs> but, um, you know, we weren't out to solve these cases per se. We wanted to really dive in and tell the audience why these cases are so hard to solve. You know, police are understaffed, under, understaffed and overworked. And to be honest, stranger, up, stranger on stranger crime and serial murder um, – which are, you know, one and the same in a way, uh, are some of the hardest cases to solve. So, you know, police don't have it easy for themselves. Um, so just as Josh was describing, um, more as a um, series akin to um, uh, The Wire than, um, you know, one story um, over, over eight episodes. It's, it's a little bit... Um, uh, more complicated than that um and you know we just kind of went where the story led us yeah definitely just like from a directing standpoint i think we wanted to make it a lot more active investigation you know Mm -hmm. we didn't want it to be like jinx or making of a murder we wanted to be like zodiac you know we wanted to be like hey you know just like investigating this stuff is creepy and I think we wanted to make it, you know, I mean, like, Bella Lugosi's Dead is the opening song. You know, we wanted to make it horrific, nightmarish, creepy, you know, scary. And so, um, you know, the unfortunate thing is, as Rach says, like, <clears throat> you know, when you're trying to find, like, all these murders across the country, like, you're not going to have your jinx moment, you know. But what you are going to do, it, I remember we, we were like, we don't just want to solve one crime. We want to solve thousands of crimes. And what we mean by that is 
saying, like, we have a big issue with regards to the fact that these cases aren't being collected properly and, and kind of looked in the database. So maybe we can point to the systemic issues rather than, hey, it's one, you know, creepy rich guy that didn't get, you know, his day in court or, you know, or maybe it's like, you know, one kid who got falsely imprisoned. We wanted to do something on a much more like American nightmare scale. I think that that's what struck me the most about this is not is not even necessarily I mean it is a documentary I, I suppose but the thing that I love about it is not just dedicated to one killer or one and how you're linking them together and my question to to both of you is you know while we're along the ride for this investigation what is it that disturbs you the most was it actually the, the actual serial killers or was it the system the lack of evidence the thing you know the the, the fact that the law enforcement in certain areas, it seems like they just don't care or they're hiding things. Yes. <laughs> yes, <all of> <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> um, but, you know, again, they're very difficult um, cases to solve. And there's some law enforcement that would talk to us. Um, in the case of Daytona, which you guys have seen so far and which aired a couple of weeks ago, super open um, to talking to us, talking about the case. Um, and then you run into um, cities like uh, Atlantic City, where, you know, I think we got an email back once um, from the Atlantic City Prosecutor's Office, uh, Atlantic County's Prosecutor's Office. And, and so it's, it's really tough. Yes, systematic issues are kind of at the root of what, what the show is encapsulating. And, and as you go down the series, you'll notice that more and more. Um, so I think going from this granular level of yes, these these murders are tragic from a you know from a family standpoint, the victims who are left behind, the families who are left behind. Um, so that's tragic in itself. But you know, peeling back that onion of exposing why those those murders happened, and not just why those murders happened, but how many roadblocks there are to solving those murders, and then. Uh, as, as viewers probably saw this weekend, um, you know, that homicide data, um, the reporting of that, that is not mandatory and the VICAP is just ridiculous. Yeah. So, you know, there's just so many roadblocks to solving these murders. Um, and it's, it's really upsetting. And, and I hope with um, the airing of these, the show that um, we can kind of activate something and harness uh, this, this outrage that I slowly started to um, see on social media after the show, and which was, quite frankly, already there, but uh, I think it's the cream right into the surface now. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think I think one of the things that stuck out to both of us, we, we were talking about it over lunch yesterday, was how crazy it was that they had mentioned that, you know, after 9-11, the FBI really kind of became more focused on, on the intelligence side instead of just investigating. And that was disturbing on multiple levels to me that <laughs> that you see these just you know grotesque crimes that are just kind of going ignored because we're so focused on the intelligence nature of things that you know there there should be crimes getting solved uh, yeah. we were, i was surprised too and, and i guess like it's you know that's a narrative that the media play like criminal minds right isn't it, it it's all about like behavioral science unit stuff and like when you talk to the guys and they're like, oh, there's only eight of us for the world, you know, yeah. uh, you're like, wow. Uh, so, uh, like, 
who's stopping the serial killers? Uh, you know, because the other thing is, is, like, you can't rely on local law enforcement. You know, they only have one of these, like, serial murder cases every 20 years. So they need to bring in the FBI. But if the FBI is, you know, profiling, you know, ISIS, it, it's tough. And so, you know, it, it makes it freaks me out. How did you guys feel when when you guys started talking to Peter and he, he brought to light that, you know, the, the FBI says that there's 60 to 80 active serial killers on, on average and that the non-experts say there could be 200 to 300. That was one of the most chilling statistics. It makes me look at everybody in the grocery store a lot different now. But how did that make you guys feel when he gave you guys that that number? You know, it's, it's, it's terrifying. Um, you know, I think there are more serial killers out there than we ever imagined. Um, and I think that, I think part of that is because we have this idea, mostly from Hollywood, that there, there are some of them, they're highly intelligent, they're playing cat and mouse games, they want to be caught by the police, but they don't want to be caught by, by the police, and, you know, and they're, they're some, like, uh, super genius. Um, and the, the terror of it is that there's so many more than we ever imagined. They're much more common, um, and quite frankly, they're not all that intelligent. Um, but they do know how to um, use law enforcement's um, uh inability to, um, you know, territorialism with different law enforcement agencies, linkage blindness is a huge thing. So they know how to kind of get through the system. Um, and that's, they're cunning in that way. But yes, it's, 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 I, I think that we don't know exactly how many they are. And, and the number is between 50 and 500 if you bring in um, the long haul serial truckers, which is a whole other kind of beast upon itself yeah yeah i mean that that wasn't that wasn't that kind of what they looked at even with zodiac originally right right and just to add on to rachel's real quick um you know in the 80s we overestimated the number of serial killers uh the media did that quite a bit uh law enforcement did that quite a bit too you know it's all about getting money and so in the 80s it was like oh my god serial killers and, and stranger danger uh we overestimated those numbers uh, when the war on terror happened, uh, it became about 9-11. And now, because law enforcement isn't looking at serial murder as much, they tend to underplay those numbers. So uh, it's, a, it's a lot of a numbers game, and it's a numbers game that feeds into where your law enforcement money is going to. Yeah, that, there, de- there definitely needs to be more. I mean, we, that's, it's one of the many things that we continue to hear police departments say is, is how understaffed and underfunded they are. And I, I think you guys have done a great job bringing that to light uh, within the documentary because, you know, there's some of these. Uh, the, the girl, I forgive me, I forget her name, that was, that was running from the beach house um, that, that ended up in the marsh where, you know, they, they mentioned very well, you know, she made a 911 call. You know, maybe if they weren't understaffed, somebody could have made it out to her. Who, you know, who really knows in that regard? Yeah, and listen, you can't throw law enforcement completely under the bus. You know, like right. uh, a lot of sex workers, you know, like a lot of sex workers are drug addled and sometimes they go, you know, they kind of duck in and out of society. And so, you know, if for law enforcement, it's like, where do I put my resources? Exactly. You know, and it's like, uh, you know, the problem is, is that these women, and this is not re-victimizing the women, it's just like, hey, their job is to be law enforcement, you know? And so when you're like, oh, great, now I have this sex worker murder, um, as a result, 
you know, it's like, it's doubly hard for them. So are they going to solve the murder that maybe is, you know, a little bit more solvable, or are they going to take the hard one on? Remember, it's about numbers and resource management. So you got to understand it from their aspect, too. Of course, what we've seen goes beyond that, but, you know, you can't throw law enforcement completely under the bus. Yeah, very, very, very true. So they they do have to make sure they're using their resources appropriately. Um, that that's for sure. So one 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 of the other areas too that has just astounded me is some of the situations you guys managed to uh to find yourselves in as you're going <laughs> through and and investigating some of this. Uh, the the guy that took you to the hotel. So that entire time, I, I'd sent Jesse a text at that point, and I was like, you could make a drinking game out of this show of every time you say what the <laughs> fuck, like it is. <laughs> You'd be hammered by the end of each episode. <laughs> I, I was going to try and call the, the series What the Fuck, but the network didn't go for it. <laughs> so, I mean, when, when you guys have been in some of those situations, what is going through your head? You know, I mean, you, you still have, you know, the camera crew following you, but, you know, if this was to be Lisk or it was to be another killer, you know, it, it's got to be terrifying to be sitting in their car sitting right across from them. You know, you're the first person who's brought up, like, everybody's like, what are you guys doing, you know, like, are you guys, you know, like, you're brave, or you're, like, crazy, but you're the first person who's brought up the crew, and Rach, you know, we haven't really talked about the crew a lot, but I think the crew is just like, I didn't sign on for this, (laughs) you know, like, just give me my rate, but they were game, too, you know, you know, that was part of the thing, Uh, yeah. Well, the funny thing is you guys have only seen episode one through four, right? Yeah. Five and six is where we really turn up the, the danger. Uh, you know, again, you know, it's, it's a lot like Scooby-Doo, you know. But, like, listen, <laughs> that, you know, that's what you want to do. You know, you got to go in there and ask the questions, right? You know, and I think I was just worried for Rach, you know, a lot of times because, you know, some of these guys would focus on Rachel a lot more because she was a woman, you know. So, I don't know. I was just like... You know, you're either all in or you're not, you know? Well, and I, and I think that was part of um, our concept to begin with is that I always describe myself as an audience member going through this, not so much as a producer or, or someone on camera, is that I feel like I'm actually like a proxy for an audience member. So, you know, if I'm crying on screen, it's not because I like, you know, I'm cutting an onion or there's some, you know, tricks there uh it's not smoke and mirrors um the emotion that you see coming whether that's like uh what the fuck are we doing uh or um you know this story i'm hearing from this woman is tragic um or you know it's dark outside and it's spooky to begin with you know so i really wanted it to be um something the audience could uh feel and and go with um to more bring them into the story and into the moment. Yeah, and I think the emotion yeah. comes across as very genuine. So, I mean, some of those moments, you know, where the camera has, has caught a tear, you know, it's it's those moments, too, where anybody that's watching, if their stomach hasn't absolutely sank during that moment, so that, that they're not completely human <laughs> because those moments are incredibly totally. intense. Yeah, speaking to yeah. that kid, yeah. uh, Jeremiah, you know, that's what Rachel and I are talking about, like, especially that episode. You know, it's one thing to talk to a family member. It's another thing to talk to the child of a woman who's been killed. And, the, you know, he's like, he's like, thanks for trying to solve my mom's murder. You know, and he's 10. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah. oh, killer. Yeah. 
Yeah, and you know something that um, isn't included in the show that uh, Jeremiah, um, and that's Molly's one of the victims in Atlantic City's son said, who's 10 at the time, said, you know, uh, I know how hard these kinds of cases are to solve. Uh, and it takes a long time. On average, I think he said like 18 years to solve these kinds of cases. But I was like, kids, like you shouldn't have to be thinking about this kind of stuff. Um, but that he's so, you know, thought about it so much and trying to um, make sense of it in his head, knowing that the, the bad man hasn't been caught. Um, but there's a reason to that, you know. He's, he's thinking about it more than a lot of people walking around are. Yeah, he was he was, he was was almost too loose <laughs> as he talked to you guys, knowing yeah. – and that when, when when you're talking to her father and he says yeah I've got a I've got her son right here and he says say hi I was just like no no this isn't gonna no he's not really and I was just like all right here we go here we go buckle up <laughs> we couldn't yeah, believe it either we're like uh hey <laughs> <laughs> so now at, at this point in in the series do you guys feel that out of all the people that you've interviewed all the potential suspects. Do you feel that there is the possibility that you've maybe talked to somebody that was involved as the killer? Uh, that's a good question. That's a good question. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I don't know, Rich. I, I think we've definitely talked to people who know way more than they've said. Yes, absolutely. I agree. Yeah, that, that entire o- Oach Beach, Beach community. There, there was enough there that I was like, there, there's something more here that's going on. There has to be. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 yeah, you know, not... and that's like, you bring up a great point, and, and maybe Rachel back me up on this, which is like, uh, you know, like you can't get the whole story. Like yeah. they're not going to tell you the whole story, but you can like allude that there's something else there going on, yeah. and then we all have to think about it. I mean, right, Rachel? Yeah, absolutely. And what I was going to say is that um, coming up in the next couple of episodes, in seven and eight, we head out west, and there are some characters that we talk to. And, and you know, the Long Island case, I think, is one of the most solvable cases. There's 10 to 17 victims going out to, um, we're going to Albuquerque, New Mexico. That's another case. I, there's a lot of people we talk to who definitely know more than they're leading on to. So I, I can't wait to see where the series goes. Now, you, know, you, you guys did eight episodes, is that right? That's right. So I, I, I'm excited. I, I, I just can't fathom where this, <laughs> where this ends up at this point. So we do have a couple of, of quick Twitter questions um, from listeners. So before sure. we let you go here, um, the, the first one here, or the, I guess the second one, we, we'd, we'd throw on the first one out earlier. Uh, the second one was from I Am Austin Grant, and he wanted to know if there would be a second season. Um, whether it's the same type of case or if you guys have other other cases that you'd want to explore. Well, uh, you know, well here's the deal. We won't, oh, go, so, ahead. go ahead, Rach. No, no, I was uh, going to say, we're not going to know. <laughs> go, go, go. Uh, oh, no, no, please, Rach, you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, go. <laughs> okay, fine. fine. Well, I, was gonna, I know what Rach is going to say, and, I'm gonna, and I would say, we're not going to know until you know it's all about the numbers of course uh you know but uh, i'm glad to give you the email of the network executive and so all your fans can email that person <laughs> <laughs> so we we would be all about that we we will start the petition now for season two of the killing season <laughs> Good. And I, I think once i think once um everyone sees um where we're going at the end of episode eight if there is another season they'll know where we will be going 
Awesome. And and everybody on Twitter can tweet to A and E and just and just hashtag it with the killing season season two. So yes, I mean, please. So that, that that's what we need to do. We'll we'll start a revolution there. <laughs> Awesome. There you go. So, in the last Twitter question, uh, it comes from uh, at, fun, at Fat Guy Punchline, and he wanted to know how much footage uh, was shot that you, that we don't get to see. <laughs> wow, um, I haven't even thought about that for a while. A lot, a lot. There is um, a lot of digital content that you can go online on a and com and see um, stuff that we fully edited. Um, great emotional stuff. Um, that we just weren't for time. We couldn't keep it in. Um, but, you know, there, there's a lot. And that's, that's just what happened um, in the editing process. And I can tell you that um, that was probably the most difficult part. And that's why people don't do storytelling the way that we've done this kind of storytelling, because it's really fucking hard. Yeah. It took us four years, yeah. you know? So the work is not happy. <laughs> <laughs> So the work has definitely paid off, and I, I know you guys have both got to go here. So you know we're we're so glad that we had a chance to talk with you. Like I said, Jesse and I both just been absolutely obsessed with the show. Definitely. So and we really can't wait to, to see where it goes. And yeah, we'll, we'll we'll start the revolution and get season two uh, get season two going online. Great, awesome. great. Yeah, round back to us after you've seen uh, the rest of the series, please. Yeah, we absolutely will. So and thank you guys again. And where can everyone find you guys on social media if they want to follow you guys? Yeah, I'm at um, Mills Rachel. That's R-A-C-H-E-L. And I'm at uh, Josh Zeman, uh, J-O-S-H-Z-E-M-A-N, on Twitter. Excellent. We'll have, we'll have your links up on the website, too, so anybody can follow you there and check out the show as well. So, But thank you again, guys. And you uh, guys have a, have a great rest of your day, and best of luck with the rest of the show. And, and we'll say it now on an upcoming season, too. That's right. Thank great. you. Great. Thank you so much. <laughs> your lips, God's ears. Thank you, guys. <laughs> have a good one, guys.